there's a sense of something that's not right, irritable, restless, and discontent. Something responds to that. Maybe that's something that's responding to that is the problem. Maybe what's responding to the irritability, restlessness, and discontent is the cause of the irritability, restlessness, and discontent. Maybe, just maybe, the root of the problem is an obsession with self. It's identification as self. It's totally different. An obsession with something, let's say I was obsessed with Coke. Not one moment in all that obsession did I think I was Coke. I never crossed that line where I became cocaine, even though I was totally obsessed with it for years. We've already crossed that line. The mind is addicted to selfing, and it's become identified with the object of selfing called a self. It's way past obsession. Way, way, way past obsession. When you're identified as this, you don't even know you're identified as it. Most people, after years of being obsessed with something, they actually realize they know they're obsessed, they just can't help themselves. Most people in identification have no idea they're identified as the problem. So there you are. The mind, the mental process, produces a product called a self. Let's say you, but there's no you, but let's say whatever. The mind becomes identified as that idea. Now, the rest of the mental process is about obsessing over it to make it continually to seem to be real. Because if something isn't real, unless you reinforce it, it will appear not to be real sooner or later. But what does the daily narrative in your head reinforce? The idea of being a self all freaking day. Every way we look is we're looking at, at everything we look at, no matter how many times we take a different position, they're all in, in, encased in self-centeredness. You can't see out of self-centeredness as a self. Self cannot get out of self. Self cannot transcend the mental process that's making it, because it doesn't exist other than in the mental process. How could it get out of what it thinks is, is the problem when it's the problem? But not as a noun, as a verb called selfing. Yeah? The mind is selfing. You have a feeling that the thoughts when seen are yours. You believe you're the thinker of them. Yeah? You believe they're. they're I'm t- well, my feeling was every thought that goes by, there's a sense that I'm the thinker of them. They're my thoughts. Or they're about me. Yes? That's called the act of identification. A thought is just a thought until it becomes my thought. Then it's the beginning of a story. My mind writes up a story. It takes a couple of these thoughts, claimed by it as my thoughts, and now it makes a story up about you. And it plays that story and represents life every day based on that story, and it interprets what's happening into something that is seen as happening to you. Well, that's not the truth. Life is just happening. It's not happening to you. It's just happening. You're the one that takes a position and gives it direction. That it's happening to me or for me or as me or by me. But that's just self-centeredness. Life is just happening. So a thought, you'd have an immunity to a thought. Let's just say if Rosa shares her thoughts with me. I have an immunity to them because I see them as Rosa's. I'll have the same thoughts and I'll have no immunity to them because I'll think they're mine. 
It's not the thoughts that are driving you crazy. It's the identification as the thinker of them, or they're about you. Rosa could come here and share for five minutes. I'd be bored of her stuff in her head. But I've been listening to the same thing for 40 years with with acute interest. Why is that? They're the same thoughts. It's not the thoughts. It's how they're being held. I hold her thoughts as hers, and therefore I have an immunity to them. I have great wisdom about Rosa's thoughts. If Rosa shares about what she's thinking, I can go, that's fucking crazy. But I'll be having the same thoughts thinking that's a great idea. What's the difference? The act of identification. To me, that's the root of the problem. We're identified as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body. And our whole life is being interpreted from that point of view. And that would be fine and dandy if you were a body. But I don't believe you are. I believe you're the animating principle. I believe you're spirit. And if you make that mistake, then you're going to suffer as a body here. Why? Because you're not. It's in that forgetfulness about real nature and the acquisition of this false nature that drives us to seek. So now we, as this, are trying to become spiritual. What a freaking joke. How could spirit become any more spiritual than it already is? Yeah. But a body, assume trying to become spiritual is like trying to graft spirituality to a body. It's not going to hold. It's not a. It's not a natural bonding. This is material. This is form. This is a thing, and spirit is no thing. How could a thing become more of a, less of a thing by practicing no thingness? pointless, that to me. So, the point is, if I'm spirit, why do I need to become spiritual? I don't. That's being spiritual. I'm relieved of the need to be liberated. I'm in in the need of thinking I have to get into the moment, because it's very easily recognized I've never been out of a moment. There's never been one moment that I've been out of that I was in. You know, if you sit here and think, well, I'm thinking about the future right now, But if you looked at the surveillance camera, you're here. You cannot escape what we call the now. There's no freaking way. You can be thinking about the past, but you're doing it now. You can be thinking about the future, but you're doing it now. You cannot do anything in the past or the future except now. This is... This is our boundaries. This is what defines us, like it or not. But when you're identified as a self, you don't really live here. You live in a mental realm. You live in past and future, and actually past and future is more important than now. You're not living for now, are you? You're living for tomorrow. You're living to when you get home and have Agendas, or you watch Avatar, or whatever. You're not living now. Your mind has no appreciation of now. All it has is remembrances of the past and speculations about a future, how it's going to pertain to me as a body. That's called slavery to mind. So most people are trying to get relief. They call it relief from mind, but they're really getting relief for self. They're not getting any relief from self. They're getting relief for self, and you become enslaved to that, because self is going to produce a huge amount of need for relief. Because it's unbearable to be identified as it. Obviously, you wouldn't be seeking if it wasn't. If it wasn't unbearable, you wouldn't be seeking as heavily as you may be seeking. The best solution to dissatisfaction is if you're satisfied. If you feel okay, you won't be seeking to feel better. You'll have a nice place to start from. Hey, I'm okay. 
And for me, you get these books, they say, all right, 500 of them, how to be in the moment. I don't believe you can be out of the moment. What's the point of trying to get into something you can't get out of? To me, trying to get in it is the way you're out of it. You're not out of it, but the way it seems you're out of it is you trying to get in it. For you trying to get into your life is the way that you believe you're out of your life. It's impossible for me to be out of my life. Therefore, there's no need to get in it, and that's really being in it. Really being in it is when you're not trying to get in it, because you don't believe you can be out of it. It's that freaking simple. Yeah? <laughs> as soon as, as long as you think you have something to do with it, it's going to be something that will happen infrequently. Yeah? Because it will be based on what you do or don't do. You'll be playing God, like it says in AA. The how and why of the whole program, which is a pretty comprehensive statement about the program, is quit playing God doesn't work. What, is, what does it look like to play God? Yeah. To me, let's say you have a desire to know God. Who's telling you how good you're doing knowing God? Your head, yes. I would say that's the bigger God than God. Your head tells you if you're close to God. Your head tells you, does God tell you you're close to it? I don't think so. That would be impossible because God's everywhere supposedly. But it's your head that says you're getting closer and closer. It's like that little game when people would hide something in the yard and they go, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're really hot, oh, you're cold again. Doesn't it do that? You go on one month retreat and then you feel good for a day, you come back and the mind says, well, you've lost that, now make a two month retreat. Then you get addicted to retreats. It's the same slavery. There's no freedom in that. It's all conditional. It's based on what you did or don't do. I don't believe our true nature is based on what I do or don't do. I do not believe that. I believe my true nature shines incessantly on and has absolutely nothing to do with what I do or don't do. That's the only way I can entertain it as, as always everywhere. If it's entertained as that's, if that access is based on me, it won't be frequent. My head will tell me the days I deserve it, the days I don't deserve it, the days I'm close, the days I'm far, and that is playing God with God. Playing God with the day you wake up and your head tells you how it's going to be. How does a day usually get offered to you? Moment by moment, yeah? But your head says, I know Monday's going to suck. It just compresses all that living fileness of a day and makes it a fucking dead file. I know. I know how Monday's going to be. It's going to suck. Yet Monday unfolds, not moment by moment by moment. That's how, quote-unquote, God serves up the day. Our head serves up the day by judgment. Boom! I know how it's going to be. It's another fucking Monday. Yeah. Nothing good could possibly happen. This is playing God. If you're in the program, I would say the how and why of it is the, probably the most basic position to get clear on the how and why of the whole program. And if, it's the, if that's the case, and it says quit playing God, I think it's good to learn what playing God looks like. So maybe you can entertain it as not you. Yeah. It's like if it's like you have a cold, and let's say you think you have a flu, and you buy a lot of flu medicine, and you take that flu medicine religiously. Now the flu and the cold have similar symptoms, but not all of them are. So you'll get a little relief from that cold by taking the flu medicine. But you're not going to get radical relief because you misdiagnosed it. You don't have a 
people have the flu. Yeah. So if you believe it's obsession with self, look at the years you've been practicing. Have you gotten radical, long-lasting relief? I didn't. I couldn't say that to be true for me. And for about nine years of sobriety, then I entertained this view, and I've had radical relief. To me, the proof's in the pudding. Yeah. I don't believe it's obsessing with self. I think that's the, what the mind does when it's identified as self. It has to, because the bondage to it has to be applied every day. The bondage to self, for what you are to be bonded to self, there's got to be a glue, because it's not a natural bonding. Yeah? What you are, if you are a spirit, and you're bonded to a mental idea called self, that bonding agent has to be glued every day or it will just break apart and you'll see the truth. That glue, I think, is the daily narrative, that voice box going on in your head, that narration of your day, that commentator, the critique, the judge. And they all sound like they're your voice, yes? But your voice isn't even your voice. It's just the sound of a voice box in this body. Who says it's yours? You must be identified as the body to think it's your voice, yeah? To me, the whole act of identification is the root of the problem. It's a verb. It's a verb. It's not a noun. You didn't become identified once and forever. It's an activity of mind. The mind has presented an idea to explain what you are. I am this body. I am this person. And then it's told a story continually about that to verify it. It's very difficult to have immunity to thoughts when they, you think they're about you or they're yours. What worked for me is when I realized, just like if there was a woman in the other room I was interested in, and uh, I wanted to hear what she said. She's with her friends, and of course I'm so self-centered, I think they're going to be talking about me. Yeah? But there I am, and I'm supposed to be doing something, let's say my life. But my attention is going through that wall to see what she says. Yeah? I'm listening like with x-ray ears. And I'm listening, listening, and people going, Paul, you're supposed to be doing this. I'm in agreement with them. I should be doing this, but I can't help myself. And even someone throws a book at me and says, Paul, read this book about how to not listen to conversations in another room. Yes, And I sort of pace through it, but I'm still listening. Because my interest is very keenly into hearing what she has to say because she's important to my mind. Yeah, I, She may save me. She may be the one, the fairy princess. So there she is, talking, 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 and then finally she says something and she's talking about a guy named Matt. Yeah. Now my name is Paul. What happens? I lose interest immediately in that conversation. I don't have to take a three-month workshop. I really don't. As soon as I recognize it's not about me, bingo, my attention is brought back to where I was. That's exactly what happened with me. When I saw these thoughts in my head weren't about me, I lost interest in them. Now, when you lose interest in something, you don't lose interest. You just lose it in that thing. So I lost interest in self or selfie. And what happened? Like it says in the book, I gained interest in others. Nothing I did. I just recognized I'm not that. And in that recognition, first I entertained it. Then there was a recognition. I just lost interest in the activity of mind called selfing. And my interest and attention left there and went where I am, which is here. Yes? And when I'm here, I'm available. 
And when I'm available, I sense something that's available, which is presence. Yeah? I sense the presence of being on, which is my nature, spirit. Yeah? That sense of presence of being on shifted the emphasis from a mental life to a living life. Yeah? Where now, this, because it's happening, has more importance than anything that's not happening, ever, in my life. When my mind wants to go into the realm of what's going to happen, and start thinking about next week or last week, there's an in, in very quick recognition, you know what? It's not happening. Yeah? So in what's not happening, tons of anything can happen in what's not happening. You can be destitute in what's not happening, right? Right now you're fine, but you could be, next Friday your mind says you're going to be destitute. So you could be sitting here in a very comfortable place, but you're not responding to that comfort, you're reacting to mental anxiety about, you know, I'm going to be destitute next week, I'm positive of it. I know my girlfriend's sleeping with my best friend next week, I know it. So I'm going to have cancer, I know it. This and all this baloney, but you're reacting, it's incredible actually if you look at it. If you really look at it, in Christianity they say Jesus performed miracles. He raised a guy named Lazarus from the dead brought him back to life, which is a pretty profound thing. But we're much greater miracle workers. We're making something out of nothing. Really. You're, you're raising anxiety out of thinking about what's not happening. And the anxiety is being experienced here. You're having a mental and physical experience of fear when there's no threat. <laughs> That's amazing to me. You can actually make something out of nothing. You can be worrying about next week and have a dire forecast of it and you'll feel the effects of that now. And yet, there is no field called next week. It's an imaginary farm. You're producing an imaginary crop. And yet, you're experiencing it as real now. You're totally in the mental realm. You're having a mental experience that downloads into the physical experience. Yes? All made up. So then there's something called what's happening, which is, let's say, an example of it is right now. You may not be happy with what's happening. You may be bored about it. But it has one quality, what's not happening doesn't have. And that is, it's happening. You may say that's not much, because anything can happen in what's not happening. Only what's happening can happen in what's happening fucking bored about that. It's not interesting to my head. I want to rather go into all what could possibly happen. But, this is the only antidote to that. There is no antidote for what's not happening. Because it's not happening. If you apply a solution to an imaginary problem, that's the bigger problem. In my view, the only solution to what's not happening is that it's not happening. What do you do? What do you need to do after that? Nothing. That is the most appropriate response to what's not happening is nothing. You recognize it's not happening, and you don't do anything about it, and that's being here. Yeah? As soon as you disengage from what's not happening, obviously your attention is engaged with what's happening. There's not that many other options. There's only what's not happening and what's happening. So as soon as it gets divorced from what's not happening, it's right here in what's happening. And that's the sense of being present. What brings you the sense of being present is your attention and your interest, yes? 
if you're out to lunch, you're still present, but you're not aware of the presence. Yeah? It doesn't mean you're not present. There's, no, there's nothing other than present, but you're not aware of the present. So for all intents and purposes, it seems to not be happening. But when you're here, <coughs> yes, there's a sense of presence. That's the spirit. Like in AA, it says you'll feel the conscious presence of the higher power. The conscious presence of the higher power is defined by the statement presence, present. It's not in time. You're not going to feel the higher power in the past or the future. It's now and now alone. Yeah? So if you're not here, then the presence, which is all there is, can seem not to be so to you, but only to a you. Yeah. Only to a self can it seem like everywhere isn't everywhere. Because the self builds a special somewhere. It does. You think your thoughts are yours. Your feelings are yours. Your reactions to life are yours. You have a sense of terminal uniqueness in most cases. You're having a subjective experience that makes it yours. Yeah? But presence overrides all of that. Because what's prior to everything is conscious contact. So there is, the truth is revealing itself every moment we're here by seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and seeing thoughts. Like in Buddhism, thoughts are, the mind is like the sixth sense, yeah? The mind sees thoughts, thoughts are mental objects, yeah? Like my eye would see a bird if it flew by. The same thing, I see, you do not think thoughts, you see them. The apparatus thinks thoughts. That's what it does, but you see the thoughts. So here it is, is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. So here I am, this apparatus, and there's the scene. Like let's say my eye, I die, and someone takes, you know, my eye's not seeing anymore. But if you took this eye out and put it in a live body, it would see. So obviously the eye's not seeing. Something facilitate it facilitates seeing, but something facilitates that. Yes, I would say the spirit of consciousness is what's seeing. So seeing is consciousness, and then it sees in five different ways here: feels, tastes, touch, smells, and sees vision. Yeah, but that's consciousness. And let's say if you took any part of the body, if it was it wasn't hurt, if you put it in a live body, it would function, but it's not functioning in the dead body. What's the difference? The parts, the lenses are perfect, the eye works, but it's not working because there's nothing that's enlivening the object. The object is now an object without life in it. That life to me is spirit or consciousness. So for me, consciousness is actually what's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. This is like the, this is like sort of the camera. Yeah, the undifferentiated light of awareness comes through, and the camera has reels of conditioning and ideas and old belief systems, and the light hits that and projects the light through this. Yes. But what's actually producing the light isn't the film or the conditioning, it's the light moving through the film. Yes. So the camera isn't seeing. The camera isn't really what's being projected, it's light being projected or awareness of spirit. So I would say that's more of us than what we're taking ourselves to be. So here is consciousness, and it's coming through us, this us, and having an experience here. 
But what the head has done is says, so here's consciousness, and this never changes. It's always going to be like this. Awareness first, and then what it sees through second. Yeah? But what the mind has done is says, I'm conscious. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. So the mental process has claimed conscious contact and said, I'm God, basically. I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, which is not the truth. There's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, but you say I'm the one. So that's the beginning of that mind playing God. It's now playing conscious contact and saying, I'm conscious. So now instead of noticing all there is is consciousness, it says I can be conscious or unconscious. Based on what? On what I do or don't do. Isn't that God playing? When all there is is consciousness, it gets bastardized by the mental process. Now consciousness is dependent on you, either doing something or not doing something. So you're more God than God is. Because now you say, I'm the, I could be unconscious. How could consciousness ever be unconscious? It can only appear to be unconscious. And therefore, it appears to us to be conscious based on what? What we do or don't do. Yeah. So you go home and meditate tonight, maybe you'll feel more conscious. But then if you miss a meditation in the morning, now you're unconscious today. Yes? So I see, see if I see that as not me, yeah, then... No matter how much you're suffering from the parasite of alcoholism, you, if you're identified as it, can never entertain being free of it because you think it's you. It's impossible. The best you can do is try to get therapy for it. Maybe socialize a little better. Maybe you'll have a month-long relationship that works. Maybe you'll go to the picnic and not flip out. You know, those are the big successes. But you can never entertain being free of it. That's why people sometimes they will never drink again, but they'll shoot themselves in the head. Because they can't, they're identified with the dilemma or with the problem. So for them to be free of it, they've got to end. That to me isn't a workable solution. But if you see it as something that is not you, then your mind immediately can entertain you to be free of it. Because why? It's not you. Yes? And I found when you recognize anything, that once was taught to, thought to be you, not to be you, you lose interest in that thing. No matter how dear it once was, you will lose interest in it when you realize it's not you. To me, that's when the obsessuous self starts diminishing, because your interest gets withdrawn. This is boring. It's the same old, same old, constantly based in anxiety and fear about what? What's not happening? Yes? All the novelness, all the like interest of it, all the all the attractiveness to it is based on you believing it's about you. That's all it is. I'm serious because you don't have much attraction to other people's self you. You're bored stiff when they share what's going on with them, usually in two minutes. But you've been listening to the same K-Paul for 40 years. He's just playing golden oldies every second of the day. If you keep dancing to the same tune. I, me, my, I, me, my, I, me, my. I need relief from this thing, yes, but not for it, but from it. So, this is a... Once it's entertained, the solution... 
reveals the problem as clear as day. You will see, instead of seeing from self, you'll see it built. You'll see what reinforces it. You'll see what it extends it. You'll see what captures your attention about it. You'll see it's all an act of identification. It's all the mind is doing. The mind has claimed your life. It says, this is my life. This is my time. These are my thoughts. These are my problems. This is my body. And yet you can't even take a shit when you want. If you're the thinker of the thoughts, stop thinking them. Let's say you were running and someone said, stop running. You could stop running, couldn't you? Because it seemed to be you running, yeah? Well, if you're thinking, stop thinking. Has that worked? Have you been able to stop your thinking? Of course not. Because you're not the thinker of it. You have absolutely no control over it. But you can have an immunity to it when you realize they're not about you. Your spirit can never be captured by thought. There's no way you can think about yourself, literally. All you can do is sense yourself. Not sense yourself, but you can sense the spirit. But you can't think about yourself. You can think about a self all day. Yes? Because you, your mind has a picture of you as a body, but it cannot picture the spirit. It's impossible. How can thought capture the spirit? failed system. So in AA it says, all right, why do you have so much fear? And thank God he didn't let us answer it. It would have been a much longer book. He says, isn't it because self-reliance failed us? Very, very, very direct. He just pointed to the whole problem. Your life is looking the way it does because there's a reliance on self and self's unreliable. Especially to be you. It's totally unreliable to be you. Forget about it. It cannot handle that. It cannot handle that. What it means when it takes itself to be you is God. It starts playing God. Yes? So, it says perhaps there's a better way, trusting something infinite rather than finite self. Well, how do you trust finite self? Don't you listen to your thoughts? That's the act of trusting finite self. That's being the devotee of self. Listening to your thoughts, believing the false evidence that appears real to you, which is the acronym for fear in AA. Yeah? False evidence appearing real. Everything the mind is projecting basically is false evidence. It appears real to you. It can never become real. It can only appear real to you. Yeah. And usually, you know how hard it is to convince someone else about how real something is that's real you difficult because they don't see it. They see it as false evidence. But you're seeing it as real. Yeah. It appears real to you. It never appears real, only to you. Yeah. So where's the solution? The solution is recognizing false evidence before it appears real. Yeah. What's the original false evidence? That you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, a self. That's the original false evidence. When you see that as false evidence, all the other bullshit won't appear real to you. You'll have immunity to it. Then your life will be directed other than by thought, and other than by the past, and other than by conditioning, and other than by body. I don't know what will direct you, but you'll know it by its fruits. You'll see how your life goes, and you can judge the tree by the fruit, like Jesus says. You can't see the tree. It's impossible. But you can judge it by its fruits. You'll see its expressions in your life. You start traveling lighter consistently, you're on to something. Yeah. You'll do 
lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others, you're on to something. Yeah? If you feel, if you say, cease fighting everyone and anything, you're on to something. If you're placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part, you're on to something. Yes? If the problem does not exist for you, you're really on to something. Because that is a damn good solution. When a problem that seemed to dominate your whole life does not exist for you anymore, that's a fucking damn good solution. And that's available. You have the eyes to see. But you can't see it as a self. It's impossible in my view. Because the self will always throw your nature out as an object to it. Yeah? You'll now try to learn about your true nature. How can your true nature learn about itself? All it can do is live from it. You can't learn about your true nature. You learn about living by it. Yeah? That's how you learn about it. You live from there. So it says again in AA that daily reprieve is the daily reprieve from alcoholism is contingent or based on the maintenance of your spiritual condition. So if you think yourself a body first and foremost and a mind, then the best you can do with a spiritual condition is have one as a body and a mind. That's a precarious condition because then it's based on what you do or don't do if you're going to continue to have it, yeah? What would happen if you are a spirit? That would be the highest form of, of maintaining a spiritual condition is recognizing you are a spirit. It's the cleanest, quickest way. There's no middle man or woman that says how you're doing. It's, the fact is you're a spirit. That's that. No matter what evidence, whatever, no matter what false evidence your mind brings up, it doesn't convince you to take upon the nature of a self again. Because you're clear that you are spirit. And now you have immunity to the false evidence that's contrary to that. And it doesn't take any effort to be what you are. It takes a lot of effort to act like what you're not. This is definitely the easiest off the way. It may be difficult for a time because self doesn't like to entertain. It's not you. That's its death. Yeah. It will entertain the truth, but as a self, that's not the truth. Self is never going to have an experience of the truth. It's the absence of self. That's the truth. It's not an experience. It's more of a state. It's not a state even, but it's definitely not an experience. What it is is a feeling of the context while you're living with all the particulars of the content every day. But the feeling you have is of context. So the days sort of aren't that important, all the particulars. It's the living of them that captures your attention, yeah? So the idea of someone, I go on a trip, and they go, did you enjoy the trip? It sounds weird to me, because there's really not really an enjoyment of it. There was just a, a sense of the presence of it through all the little things that happened and didn't happen. The overriding sense was what's always so, yeah? yeah. I like it, so. So I'm not, my life isn't determined by in value anymore. It's not about merits and demerits. It's not about becoming anything. I can't do and have myself into being. It's impossible. Yeah. It's just a recognition of my inherent state. And then I'm available to others. Because I'm not up the ass of self anymore. My head's popped out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're not having that sense, then do service. 
you'll give the experience of what we call being out of self. And if you can just sort of remember how it feels to be out of self, it feels like you're available and big, and, and then usually you sense a spiritual upliftment, or a sense of presence. Well, what usually happens is you go back into believing yourself, and then you have to do service to have another hit of being out of self. And then the same thing happens. You feel available. Oh, man. feel lighter, and then you feel that presence. What happens if you would just call the presence you? If you sense yourself as the presence, that make, means you're always available. And if you're always available, you're of service. And that's that. Yeah? It may seem like it's happening against your will, but that's not your will. It's just the fact. So do you want to have your nature as an experience you sometimes have based on what you do or don't do? Or would you rather recognize it as your nature and it's not determined by what you do or don't do? And it's not infrequent. It's not unavailable because you've done something bad. And it's not available because you've done something good. It's always available at all times, right where you are, with no requirement necessary to acknowledge that. Yeah? To me, that's a lasting solution. Maybe uncomfortable for a while. You get used to it. You're incessantly on. What can you do? It's not a moment you're not on. I don't mean on like speed. I mean on like conscious. Yeah? And it puts out, just like if a generator was on, there would be a hum. That's the sense of presence. The onness is a sense of presence. Yeah? Almost like a hum. Like your sense Yeah? And it captivates your attention. And it gets located here and has immunity to the mental realm now. It doesn't go flying into the past and the future with the idea of free will. What if I would have done that, but you didn't do that? What if that didn't happen, but it did happen? All these omissions of facts that allow you to travel into the past and bring such lovely products back, such as resentments and regrets and fucking nostalgia, or getting onto the magic carpet of thought into the future and bringing back such lovely, lovely specifics like anxiety, a physiological effect of fear without any threat. A mind-boggling mental miracle that you can be afraid of nothing and live in that fear and become a habit of living in that fear. And taking real pills here for an imagined anxiety, which is a producing real effects that produce more problems, yes? Or they get some relief from an imaginary problem and just, instead of seeing it as imaginary, yeah? what more do you need to do if it's not happening? Nothing. It's so beautiful. It's a timeless solution. It doesn't take any time. Bingo. You're immediately right where you always were. And after a time, all these imaginary trips get short-circuited, you realize you never left. You never actually went anywhere. It's always been right where you are. Your mind was just tripping, but you didn't go anywhere. What you are has never been not what you are. Like, did anyone hear someone talk about the, like, you, did you go, to a, you go to a cafe and have a coffee, right? I bet you, I guarantee you, you did not hear one people, one person complain about the effects of gravity today. Not one person is going, man, gravity, 
really heavy on my right shoulder today. What about you? I can see your shoulders a little bit. Yeah, it's out to get you. No. As a physicality, we're constantly under the force of gravity, yet no one fucking knows it. Why? Because it's always happening. The truth is always so. That's why it's not recognized. It doesn't have a beginning where you can say, oh, there wasn't. Oh, now the truth has appeared. It's never appeared. It's always so. There's no place where you get it and you lose it. It's always so. Anytime you think you're on the ride, is the ride. Every time you think you're off the ride, is the ride. There's no getting on and off the ride. All there is is consciousness. All there is is awareness. All there is is unadorned mind. Only as a self does it become an object to the self, and then the self can say, "Oh, I don't want to know that," and then live as if it doesn't. It, it lives as if it can't run into everywhere. It makes a special somewhere where it doesn't run into everywhere. But it can only do that for time, maybe 80 years, maybe seven years. Then it's exhausted. It doesn't change anything. All there is is consciousness. But it can appear to be real to you. Just like if you dreamt and you had a dream tiger in that dream, that dream tiger would scare the living bejesus out of you as a dreamt object. While you were in the dream, that dream tiger would be as real as real can be. But what happens when you wake up from the dream? Are you afraid of that tiger anymore? No. Why? Because you saw it was unreal. This world affects this body. If I take this chair, let's say this chair has been here 40 years, many, many important people, many important asses have sat on this chair. <laughs> Much better talks were given than this freaking talk. Yeah? Okay? And here I am. Now I'm going to take move the chair. Yeah? Now, did I have to move any of the space back that the chair was taking up? Does, can you see any of the effects of the chair on the space? There's an effect on something else that's appearing and maybe on this, that's also an appearance, but on the space, is there any effect of the chair left? It's as if it was never there, right? It didn't take up any space. In, in fact, in the space, it had no effect. None. It didn't cause lack of space. It didn't leave any impression on space. It didn't leave any scar on space. So in fact, it's not real. It has no real effect. It only has an effect on other things that are appearing. So let's say you and I are more like space or spirit. Yeah. Let's say you and I are more like sky, like the space of sky. Let's say there's fireworks in the sky. Do they ever cut the sky open? When it rains, does the sky get wet? Have you ever heard an airplane called it? The terminal saying, yeah, I just ran into a big bunch of sky up here. No. Tons of things appear in the sky, yet none of them have an effect on the sky. Yes? Tons of things are appearing in the space of spirit, but none of them have an effect on spirit. Whatever you've done, the most heinous act you've ever committed, you could go back there and there would be no mark on the space. In a sense, you're totally irrelevant to space. You are that space more than this body. This body is an appearance in this space. But it's not taking up any space. There's no space that had to be moved for this to be here. I've had no effect on the space. 
the worst thing I ever did that did not send one ripple through the space, and the best thing I ever did never made it more shiny. Yeah. That's the only way this works, is that you have nothing to do with it. Because if you had something to do with it, it wouldn't work all the time. Because it would be based on what you did. I have absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I'm spirit. That's the solution. Let's say here. Here's you. Have you ever given yourself a break? Have you ever really been in self-acceptance for long? Isn't the mind always finding some fault in you? No matter how good you get, no matter how many, if you have eight sponsees, you should have nine sponsees. If you do two hours of meditation, why not four hours of meditation? That person sitting closer to the teacher than me, there's always some fault, yes? That thing is never going to let up. What, what happened with me is, when I realized I wasn't real, I let it be as real as it wanted to be, finally. So when I walk in a room, that's what I experience, walking in the room. I don't experience what I'm thinking about when I walk in the room. I don't give a shit about what people are thinking in their heads. I have no idea. Yes? So when something's happening, I'm conscious of that. Because I'm not sucked up into the head. I'm alive, finally. I've been alive all along, but as when I was identified as this, there was never an acceptance of this. When I realized I wasn't, I'd become more of this than I ever was, by not being it. Yeah? I know what my body likes now. It's not, it's not confusing. I know exactly like it wants to surf. It likes surfing. It likes being in an ocean far out. I get a chance to do that. There's no confusion whatsoever about it. Yeah? All these things become obvious. Blue is blue and red is red. It's the mental confusion that's driving you crazy. When you're having a good time, how long does it last before your head says you're a fraud? When they're going to find out, yeah? You meet that girl you've been dying to meet, and then after 15 minutes you're afraid that she knows you better than you do. She's going to know I'm an asshole soon, you so here's the thing that you've been hoping for to save you, and as soon as you meet it, the mind says all these negative things about it. But the same mind, if you're feeling bad, says it's going to be a lifelong depression. Yeah? Look at it. Your head is interpreting life like this. Good stuff, minimize. Bad stuff, elongate. You want to live under that criterion? You want to live under that interpretation? You're going to pray for it to get better? You're going to try to civilize it, get it esteemed? It'll win a little bit of freedom, but it's not freedom from it, no. This is a radical idea because you're just going to look at it as not you. And if you look at it as not you, you'll definitely lose interest in it. And the obsession with self will diminish because you'll just lose interest in it. It's not about you. You're only concerned about you, really. All you need to do is find out what the real you is. The same interest and attention that only goes to whatever you believe is you, right now it's going into that black hole of selfing because you believe you're a self. What would happen if you entertained not that? It maybe would go into the spirit of yourself. Maybe you would know that you have it by giving it away. Did you ever know a drug dealer that lived by that principle? I have coke by giving it away? No, I never met one. But in this way, that's what happens. You have such confidence in its allness that you give it away freely because you can never run out of it. Yeah. It's not privatized or owned. Someone's 
is there, you give them your attention because that's what's there to be given freely. Yes? And in that, you become enriched by that. But every time, if I'm doing anything with someone and all I'm seeing is reflecting, if I'm doing it, that's not serving to me. That's slavery. So, it's like the wave in the ocean. I've been using all these little analogies, but I like the wave in the ocean. For a wave to be a wave, it has to have a denial of the ocean, obviously. Yes? It has to not recognize its oceanness to live on and continue the story of being a wave. So here we are, a bunch of waves, listening to uh, going to a meeting about the ocean. It's actually quite hilarious, really, if you look at it. Most of us are acting as if we're dry, yet we're wet as hell. But we just... <laughs> So maybe someone describes the ocean in so many different ways, beautiful ways. Oh, it sounds wonderful, but you're missing one thing. The movement, the main movement of selfing is claiming everything. Yes? So here you are listening to the ocean, but you're listening to the ocean as a wave. So now the wave is learning about the ocean, but it's never going to be the ocean. It's just going to know more about the ocean as a wave. Yes? So all the knowledge it gets about the ocean will be used to reinforce the idea of being a wave. My view is just question, are you a wave? If you're not a wave, that's the ocean. If you're not a wave, it doesn't take any time to be the ocean. You are the ocean. If you're not a wave, it takes no time, there's no process to enter to become the ocean. You are the ocean. There's a recognition, I'm not a wave, Bamo, that's the ocean. So instead of reading scriptures about the ocean, you live it. it. It tells you how it is, truly how it is, as it's coming through you. It's a much more intimate recognition than any scripture can bring about. You now sense the livingness of it. You sense what it's like to be wet. You don't read about it, you sense it. You travel that way. Yeah. But not as a wave. You recognize you're not that, and that's the ocean. And that's that. Yeah. Say you, you saw a snake. You saw a snake one day in your house. Let's say it's sitting in your living room, a really big snake, huge snake. You saw it. Oh, Jesus Christ, there's a snake. So you closed the doors yeah, of the living room. And then you went outside and you locked, closed the windows and locked you knocked things in. And then basically you lived in your house, but you never went in that room, the living room, because there's a big freaking snake in it. Yeah. So no more entertaining people in the living room. And your life would go around. It looked like you had a life, but a large part of your house would be now off limits, forbidden. Uh, there's a big freaking snake in there. Yeah? And many people come over the years, and they no, they immediately they, they say, hey, what about that? No, there's a snake in there, and that's it. Okay, and then everyone, they go in the kitchen, and everyone sort of accepts the fact that there's a big freaking snake in there. Then one guy comes over one day and says, and you go, hey, don't go near that door. There's a big snake in that room. And the guy says, let me see it. He said, no, no, take my word for it. There's a big freaking snake in there. And then he goes, let me see it. So the guy goes, no, no. And he starts walking away, gets behind the refrigerator, and then the guy opens the door and he looks in. And he said, hey, man, that's a rope. Yeah? What? That's a rope. So the guy comes over, believing it's been a snake for 20 years, with tons of stories, it's his whole life story is about living around this room with the big snake in it, and he looks in, and he sees it as a rope. Yes? Do you believe it ever is seen again as a snake by that guy? No. He sees it as a rope, and that's that. 
it never appears again to be a snake. It's never convincing him that it's a snake ever again because he, it has been revealed to him it's a rope. And it's always been a rope. There was never a snake. It was just an appearance of a snake. Yes? Like when I was a kid, I used to go to this mall, and I was only 12 years old, and I thought I was looking pretty cool. I had these pants, uh, red blue jeans, uh, red corduroys, and a gray shirt, long sleeve t-shirt. I really thought I was hot stuff. And a lot of people were looking at me, so I thought, hey, I'm doing pretty well, you know, getting a lot of approval. And after a few months, one of my friends had some compassion on me and said, Paul, you know those red pants? I said, yeah, yeah, I love them, my favorite pants. They say they're magenta. What? Yeah, yeah. And they said, you know that gray shirt? I go, yeah, it's pink. And as soon as he pointed out to me, I saw the pink. Even though I looked at it 500 times in mirrors and I thought it was gray, when he pointed out to me, as soon as he said it was pink, I looked at it, it was pink. And I looked at it and they were magenta. Now, I never, when I put them away for good and bye-bye, I never went back into the closet and they never appeared to be gray and red to me ever again. As soon as it was revealed to me, that's what they were, pink and magenta, there was a mistake. I had been seeing them as red and as gray. But that's what, that was just an appearance. I never got confused by that shirt and that pants again. They never switched back to gray and, and red. Yeah, That's exactly what it's like, in a sense. You're taking yourself to be something you're not. When it is revealed to you you're not that, at one point, it's going to be entertained and it's going to resonate for you. I'm not that. Yes? And then some of your life, your life, that has been surrendered over to that idea of being a self, will come back to you. Some of your attention and interest will be freed up. And then you may feel alive when you're actually alive. Because there will be attention here and interest here. You'll be on. And there will be an awareness of being on. Right now, it's auctioned off. And if you don't see it, you don't see it. Then you better get some help. You're going to need it. You're going to need a lot of help in this life. Because you're going to have a lot of fires, and you better find where there's some good pails of water. Because you're going to be putting out a lot of fires. Because selfing will keep producing irritability, restlessness, and discontent. It's an engine of seeking. It doesn't give a shit about finding. It seeks. How can you have peace of mind when your mind is agitated all day? It's impossible. But mind's nature is peace. Only when it's identified as what it not, that it gets agitated. So something that's peaceful and serene becomes seeking and anxious. Based on what it's relying on. It's relying on self. It's seeking and anxious. It's anxious it's going to lose what it has and not get what it wants. Which is incredibly important to it because it's lacking so much. But when you're full, then it's easy to give. Because you don't see, there's no loss in giving. There's no lack or draining in giving. There's just more and more. So then you know a new freedom and a new happiness. That's why I love that he uses the word new. It's not an old freedom, an old happiness revamped, like when I do this and get that, I'll be happy. 
it's not one of those. It's a new freedom and a new happiness. It's a new attitude and a new outlook. You, know? you will outgrow the fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. You'll be reborn. You'll feel a conscious presence. You'll be able to enjoy peace of mind. You'll feel new power flowing in. All of these are, are descriptions of what happens when you start relying on something that's infinite instead of on finite self. It's not personal. That's what occurs. The mind breaks out of its self-centered realm and opens up to a larger modality. Now being okay isn't entertained as I will be okay later based on me doing something, but I'm okay now. For no apparent reason. I'm just fucking okay. What did I do today that make this happen? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because if I th- if I achieve something, I can believe I can do something to lose it. That's not it. This is not something that's achieved and lost, then achieved again and lost. This is not surrendering, forgetting, you know, surrendering and surrendering again. This is surrender. It's a different state. You're convinced. You've seen the snake and the rope, and there's no going back and mixing them up. You're convinced any life run on self-will will not be successful. You're convinced that self is what has defeated us, yes? You're convinced that God can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You're convinced of these points, and it's the end of the story. Now, things get developed, yeah? me what a Zen bitch slap is. This is a Zen bitch slap. This is it. It served your spiritual subpoena. There you go. It's on you now. <laughs> All I needed was the information. Your ability to entertain is there. You just haven't entertained the possibility. You haven't heard of it. Yeah. Right now your mind's busily entertaining the possibilities of self-centeredness. I will be okay later, maybe. Yeah, or the fairy princess will save me, or this will save me, or that will save me. But here, basically every one of us has been through every inch of self-centeredness, and we've gone over every possibility it has to offer over and over and over again. How many fairy princesses have happened? Seven? How many times was the job going to save you? Eight? How many times, oh, when I move to Hawaii, everything will be great? Five? We're just doing the same possibility over and over and over again. This is about new possibilities. You're okay now. You're not your thoughts. You're not your feelings. You're the awareness of everything that's been seen, felt, tasted, touched, smelled, and thought. You're the seeing of it all. You're not the seer. You're the seeing. It's a verb. You are not a being. You're being a verb. There's no noun to be found here. It's just verbing. It's just consciousness being in contact. All day, every day. From beginning to end until you die. Hallelujah. I mean, if one of the diseases, forgetfulness, wouldn't that be love? That something's reminding you six different ways every second. You're sensing it, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and witnessing thoughts. How much more? 
invitation that you need. It's like having six mail slots. The party you're being invited to, you're invited six times every second. Here, seeing. Who's the seer? Who's the feeler? Who's the taster? Who's the toucher? Me, me, me. No, no, no. There's just seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. It's just consciousness and contact. Any questions? I have two. You have two. I have two. Only one. <laughs> one to a customer. Okay. Uh, when I share or, or qualify at a meeting, and I say my life got better, or my sobriety got better. When I came, when I, when I, uh, when I, uh, a conscious contact. When I had a better understanding of a conscious contact. When I got high power with my life, I say things got better. Yeah. But you're saying. It was always there, and I'm just playing mind games. No, I'm not saying that. The thing was that was always there wasn't being accessed. You accessed with a concept called a higher power. But that thing that you accessed and started to feel a little bit in your life is always available at all times. Yes. So even though I wasn't utilizing it, it was there? Yes. How could it not be? Do you think it just appeared when you finally tried to utilize it? No, it was always there. Your attention and interest wasn't, because there was up the ass of self. All right, and uh, question number B. <laughs> number B, all right. All right. Hopefully it's only one part, no two parts. Our, our, daily re our daily reprieve is based on our spiritual maintenance. Spiritual condition. Yeah, a, a spiritual condition. Yeah, it's the maintenance of your spiritual condition. Yes. But I am a spirit. I always had spirituality. That's right. So what am I? What am I? What am I maintaining? What am I? I feel like I'm saying like a double negative. Like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth at the same time. Well, the thing is, if you are a spiritual condition, that's the maintenance of it. Is being it. Yeah. If you're not a spiritual condition, then you have to seemingly do things to sort of get a feeling of a spiritual condition. Yes. So in other words, let's say there's something you are. But you're, the way your head is cannot entertain that. So it makes it something you're not with the effects that are coming from something you actually are, but you feel like it's as if it's coming from something else, like a higher power. But over the years, your, your idea of a higher power will probably change, right? Because for me, the sense I have of it now is it's a present tense verb, and so am I. You tell me the difference. There's no difference to it. Yes? Now, how a power to me is a present tense verb. It's consciousness contacting. I'm that. Yeah. But at first, when I came to AA, I thought of it as a higher power, something different than me, that was going to help me. Yeah. That was just a, a, like a stinted or a, a small understanding of something that was always so. Yeah. But it opened me up to some influence by it. Yeah. I mean, you've given everything the meaning it has. You can give the meaning of everywhere as being a special something, like a higher power. But you'll still have some of the effects because it's everywhere. Yeah. To me, to make the effects immediate and everlasting is to realize you're nowhere and that's everywhere. So therefore, now I'm al it's always available at all times and it's not based on what I do or don't do. It's just always available at all times. Yeah. 
But at one time, my mind wouldn't allow that to be so, because I believed I was this, and therefore I made the higher power that. And that was going to help this maybe get out of this a little bit. But that was just like a little game of mind until it could handle it or understand it in a different level. That's all. Well, you can say that, but how do you feel? But let's say, but that's not usually your experience. Your experience is that you're real in this world and like that. Well, why not just look at that as I'm not that? That's a quicker way than trying to describe what it is when you're not being that. Why not just look at what you're not and say I'm not that and that's being it. It's a quicker way to get there. Many people are trying to get there by a superlative description of it. Consciousness is experiencing itself. I would just go the back door and say, what I'm feeling to be me, I'm not. And that's being it. So I like, the, in old India, they would call it neti neti. I'm not that, I'm not that. To me, I like that. It's not an approach, but that's how it's worked for me. I didn't really plan it that way, but that's how I've seen it. Which is, I'm not that. When I see I'm not that, that's being what I am. That consciousness having an experience of itself. But to say consciousness having an experience of itself when I'm identified as this is pointless. It's just bullshit to me. So I, then you're just experiencing what you're not. Hmm? Exactly. It's just another concept. But this one, I see what I'm not. That seeing that I'm not this is it. That's its, it's nature is being uh, demonstrated seeing. Yeah. I'm seeing I'm not. That's a, that's the nature of awareness. It sees. Yeah. So there I am, experiencing my nature by seeing what I'm not. That's all I need to do. What else do I need to do? I don't have to name it. That would be a little too much. Just I'm living it. Yeah. I like it that way. It's quicker for me. It has no time. Because see, if you say I'm this, yes, I'm, I'm consciousness having an experience. It can still have a sense of two. You. Yes, feeling you're like Ruth a little bit, thinking your consciousness. This is, I'm not that, and there's no feeling I'm anything else than not that. It's just, I'm not that. It's a quick, quick scene. It's all just a trick. Because what you are is what you are. <laughs> Whatever allows you, in a sense of what you're not, to access it, go ahead. They're all tricks. They're all put down sooner or later. Yeah. There's a great old statement in the Course in Miracles. You can meditate. You can time contemplate. You can do yoga. All these things are inevitably going to work, but they're going to take a lot of time, probably. And yet, whatever path your mind decides to open itself up to its inherent fact that's going to be played out in time, will always lead to one simple statement. I need do nothing. I need do nothing. In other words, you as your whole engine of being a doer is irrelevant to the fact of what you are. I need do nothing. That's the antithesis of your whole life. Your whole life is, the only reason why you can call it your life is you think you're the doer of it. Honestly. 
if you weren't a personal doer of the sense, if you didn't have a sense of personal doer, first of all, there'd be no guilt or shame because you'd have no opinion on what happened. But that sense of personal doership, yes, is what makes it seem like it's your life, yeah? which gives you the sense of being you. This I need do nothing just short circuits that whole thing. Just like in A it says, you'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part, with no thought or effort on your part. In other words, you're totally irrelevant to this. Totally. Therefore, you can't do yourself out of it and you can't do yourself into it. That's the solution. If it's based on you, it's going to be infrequent. It's going to be conditional. Your peace is conditional based on what you do or don't do. This is not based on you. That's why it's unconditional peace. You can actually entertain it as always so at all times. Because it has nothing to do with you. You cannot entertain it as always so at all times if it has something to do with you because it's based on what you do or don't do. And you probably won't be doing what's causing it to be there all the time, all the time. You'll take a little vacation and your head will go, oh, you see, you stopped it and now you feel distant. Now you're disconnected. Now you're lost once again. It's all a fucking story. Yes? But it appears real to you. Why? Because you're identified with the center of the whole system, self. I'm not saying, say, do anything about the system, just go to the center. Am I that? If you're not that, the system's effects loosen. They only are held by the center. The center is giving the thoughts their orbit, not the thoughts. Your identification as the thinker of the thoughts keep them in orbit around the idea of being a self. When this gets loosened, the thoughts come and go, which is their nature. Yeah? They come and they go. Hundreds and hundreds of thoughts appear every day. In some research, they say 70,000 thoughts a day. 70,000 thoughts a day are getting produced like a popcorn maker. And there's a seeing of them. Yeah? A seeing of them. They come and go. That's their nature. What happens is, when the mental process sees a thought and says, that my thought, it's like captures it like a fly in a room. Closes the door and window. And then the fly has three days of buzzing. And it drives you crazy, seemingly. Yes? Fucking drop the my. Not the thoughts don't matter. It's the my that matters. Thoughts are just thoughts. People want to stop thinking. Good luck. They never thought. How can you stop thinking? You never started this process. Yes. But you're claiming it. The mental process, which is a thought, is claiming the other thoughts by my. And that's what's bonding you to the original thought that you are Paul a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body. One great master said, the first one was, I am, I am, uh, I am, and then I am a body. It was the whole process of consciousness, waking up to this place. I am, and then the mind said, the question was, who am I? The mind said, I'll tell you who you are. You're this fucking body. <laughs> then it brought the body, and then on you go. There's the story of your life, based on being a body. And then the body, which is so really sickly funny, tries to become spiritual. That is unbelievable, hilarious. Yeah. When all it has to do is recognize it's not a body, and then there's that spirit. Yeah. Now it just keeps saying, I'm a body that wants to be spiritual. Studying tons of books, and meditating, getting in weird physical postures, fasting for 30 days, doing something to try to break the bondage of self, to see that it's not you mind can entertain it. It's unbelievable mind. 
Mind is entertaining separation. Look at it. Isn't it? This doesn't seem, this seems real as real can be. Do you think it's the illusion that's so good? An illusion is illusion. It's what's entertaining the illusion. Mind is entertaining this to be real. That's why it seems so fucking real. I'm not talking about conditional mind. I'm talking about mind, yeah. Its ability to entertain and reflect is unbelievable. So right now, it's like someone gave John Coltrane a theme. Hey, John, great sax player, right? John, riff on separation. Okay. And it's your life. It's what mind's doing. It's riffing on the idea of being separate. What would happen if I was separate? I could be unloved. I could be worried all day that some terrible thing could happen to me. I could be, I could forget that there's peace and then try to acquire it by doing and having. All these things. Yeah. I just go to the point self. Is it, if it's you, then get a good therapist. If it's not you, save the money. Why would I want to spend two hours talking about what's not happening if I could just see it as not happening? That would be the end of my therapeutic session. Hey, Paul, you really want to know the truth? It's not happening. But Doc, let me tell you. No, I don't want to hear you tell me about what's not happening. It's not happening. Bye. Off. Go. You finally get something by leaving with nothing. I swear, aren't you so sick and tired of getting something? Every class, everything, something. Here's nothing for you. There's nothing to do. No practice, nothing there. Take it. What am I going to do with this? See, see what happens. Something's been killing you. How many somethings have you had in this life? Thousands of them. Have they put you over the top? Have you found a point of being happy, free, and joyous? Or is it just a driving for more something? How about nothing? Try nothing for a change. Hey, here's nothing. You can't return it, first of all. sit in your own devices. So sometimes this message, sometimes people resonate with this message, and then they go home and think about it, and they kill it. Yeah, they neuter it. So they apply the problem to it. And then that's why I usually leave after a few days, because people really like me when I'm first here, and then three days later when they think about it, they hate me. They want to fuck that guy, I don't like him. He's like, that's not AA or whatever. It's fucking baloney. It's insane. It's the thinking, it's the thinking just fucks it all up. You make people very uncomfortable. Hmm? You make people uncomfortable. Yeah. That's right. I don't mind. I like being an irritant. That's what I love for. Yes. You don't wake them up, you just invite them. That's all. I'm like a mailman, I just invite. You don't go home with the mailman, do you? Just take the message to see how it works for you. You're the only real authority. I don't care how much you make someone authority. Let's say it's the Dalai Lama or something. Somebody you think is the greatest of all greatness. And if he came here and looked at you in the face and said, listen, you were okay then, you're okay now, and you'll be okay later. And maybe you'd have this great wash of relief for about 20 minutes. Then you'd go home and I bet you'd start thinking about something. i got to meditate. i got to read another book. Your real authority is this. This is your real authority. It's easy to have dead masters also. Jesus and everyone like that, they're dead in a sense. This is the real authority. No freaking head. Yeah. Well, um, 
studying for school happens, yes? That's a deed. But there's no individual doer thereof. So there's no one that's doing the homework, and there's no one that's doing the event. But events and homework get done, yes? These people believe in self so much, they don't. They think nothing would happen if there wasn't a you to do it. There's never been a you to do it. And tons of stuff is happening. All the time. Yeah. You think that's you could get that impression, but who knows? Have you got that impression? Well, wait, wait and see what happens. Exactly, that's all the fucking speculation again. See what happens. It's a scary thought, exactly, but it's not happening. It's not happening. And people give me hypothetical questions. It's not happening. What would you do if this happened? I have no idea what I'd do. I'll be. I'll tell you after I've done it, but I have no idea what I'm going to do in any situation. I really don't. Look at what I did. I just said yes to come to Staten Island for two freaking days. I just got home from fucking Europe Sunday night, and then I'm here, and I'm leaving tomorrow. Now, if I had free will, I would have never chosen this. It just happened. Something occurred. Someone asked me. There seemed to be a need. I said, yes. There you go. End of story. Do I think I should be anywhere else? No. It would be pointless. I'm in Staten Island. Fit yourself around these circumstances. No, I'd rather be doing something else. Yeah, but you're not. Yeah, it's like growing up in a way. It's like an A. It says, fit yourself around circumstances instead of trying to fit them around you. What is living in the mental realm? Trying to fit circumstances around you. You know? When you do, life gets really small. When you take all of life and try to fit it around you, your little ideas of it, it becomes a very small life, but you seem really big in it. Selfing seems huge. You're so fucking important in this very small little pond. But when you fit yourself around circumstances, you actually enlarge to your natural size, which is big, 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 big. So many circumstances I've been confronted with, if you had me think about them, I'd say I could never have shown up for that. And yet I have shown up for them. Tons of things. I've been run over by a car twice. I broke my neck almost in the water two and a half years ago when I was surfing. How oh, I would never be able to show up to it. I showed up to it. Why? Because there was no escape. That's what happened. And you have the ability to respond to what's happening. You have a, Look at your ability to react to what's not happening. You don't believe you have the ability to respond to what is? It's much cleaner and quicker. It's because <laughs> it's happening. Yeah? Shit. The shit's hitting the fan. Okay. You wouldn't believe how you could be if you gave up the ideas of how you are. If you gave up the ideas, if you didn't want to be so right about how you think you are, you'd be surprised of how you could be in situations. Life would give you a totally different take on you than the mind's giving you. Yes? Maybe someone who's afraid and thinks nothing could happen, great things will come to pass. That's the unbearability is your mind wants to be right about how small you are. People aren't afraid about the shit and the, uh, and the suffering. They're scared of the freedom from it, really. 
people don't want to be recovered. They want to keep recovering and safe so they can keep affirming they're sick. It takes balls to respond to the ability of being awake. Yeah? It's easy to every time share, oh, I'm really the light, and then bookend it with, but I'm still crazy. No, you're not. You're free. Act like it. Oh, but I'm afraid that impending doom will step on you. Then you're still tithing to that mental God. Come out from its darkness and enjoy the light. Yeah? The hardness is accepting how wonderful it can get. It's pretty fucking awesome at times. I mean, the joy. You know, just like in AA, just watching people's face light up. I just saw a woman who I saw two months ago had that dark gray sheen on her. And she's just been in a 45-day program, and against her will, she's let lighten up. Yeah? Just like about four layers of film were taken off. She even, doesn't even notice it, but she can see a clarity. The mind's not looking for clarity. It's looking for being special and right. It just gives a shit about being clear. It wants to be right and special and acknowledged. Yeah? How many people give so little attention to when they're well and they have tons of attention to all the bullshit. They greet you and all they want to do is talk about how fucking terrible it is. When there's, everything's going great, they got nothing to say. Nothing, there's no sharing whatsoever. So, but I'm just waiting for the next terrible thing to happen. Jesus Christ, that's like living in slavery. This is just an invitation. It's not a draft. It's not a conscription. In a sense, I don't care what you do. That's not my job. My job is, my seat assignment, obviously tonight, is to offer you something that I've entertained. If you entertain it or not, will be for you, not for me. Yeah? I've done my job, in a sense. My seat assignment, my contract is complete. I can rest assured I've shown up, and I didn't. Yes? that's that. That's that. At least that's the least you could, you uh, deserve, is to have the right to hear something. What you do with it is on you. But you, I, I never heard this message in AA. And therefore my mind, though it can entertain, can't entertain what it hasn't been introduced to. It's not that good in certain areas. And it needs an invitation. Once I got the invitation, I could entertain it. Just like surrender, I had terrible events happen in my life, but they never precipitated a surrender. I didn't know what surrender was. And then I had an event, like my moment of clarity in a trailer park, and it was just a regular day at the office just trying to survive, to get loaded. But something happened where that engine of selfing stopped. There was a surrender. It just collapsed. And from that day on, my mind now can entertain surrender, because it's been introduced to it. You, this is what I'm attempting to do with, to my tribe. I'm trying to introduce them to another idea that may be found very valuable if they entertain it. Because you're probably not going to come to you come to it on your own. You may have to hear it from an outside source. You may not like the messenger, but the message is pure and clean. I know it because I've entertained it. Now my job's done. I'm fucking cool. I'm off, <laughs> off the farm. Yeah. So any more questions? Mm-hmm. Is it a joy to hear this? I love it. I'm sensitive. Hmm?
Have a safe trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>